0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back. Sports to the Max. I tell you what, Tubbsy and I are going to keep taking this on tonight because we have different sides of the issue. I'm right and he's wrong. Those are the two sides. Ah, uh, joining us the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, good friend Tim Cheetah, long time American League umpire, work and and Major League umpire because they integrated them. Of course, it's at uh, uh, so they work both leagues. But uh, not the point tonight. We're just talking baseball and some more. T- Tim, you were out golfing today when the hail came on.
1: I was right in the middle of it. But before we get going, let's, let's let you both know that I'm right and you're both.
0: Right. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. You used to tell both managers, right?
1: Pretty pretty much, baby. <laughs> pretty much, old habits are hard to break.
0: That's right, man. Did you get caught in it though? Were you able to hide in the golf car? What'd you do?
1: Right in the middle of it, out of Keller. But the the best part about it was we were on the fifteenth tee, and uh, which is as far away as you can be from the clubhouse. But they have a storm shelter there,
0: so oh. we ducked
1: in, and we everybody pulled out their phones to see the forecast, and it rained hard for. About 15 minutes, and then it kind of let up. But there was lightning, and we all decided that we're not going to continue. So uh, let's go to the let's go to the clubhouse. And on the way into the clubhouse, all of a sudden the hail came along. Oh! And it was it was ping pong ball size. It, I yes, it played. was. I've never. I mean, I've seen pictures and I've seen videos. I've never been in the middle of it in my life. And I mean to tell you, it hurts when it hits. You. Even so, you got you know,
0: pelted, huh? The,
1: Oh, it was coming from both sides, and and the you know the cart was getting trashed, but we were getting hit in the legs, and I mean it was it
0: worse was, than when you worked uh, the plate at Fenway.
1: Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean they used to throw a lot of stuff at me at Fenway, but you know never never ice chunks.
0: Wow, <laughs> but but you got back safely, obviously.
1: We got back safely, and then it let up, but it's still uh, the 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 pictures that the we took. I took a bunch of photos, and the. The uh, the greens and the tee boxes and everything were just totally, and the fairways, were totally covered in white. It looked like it had snowed.
0: I know, it and then it was gone an hour later, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah could, I didn't think we, because the temperature dropped, and we yeah. thought, this isn't going to melt anytime soon, but yeah. it did. Oh, uh, so. But it was it was a sight to behold. Holy cow.
0: Hey, Tim, we were just talking about, you know, betting, allowing it in Minnesota, et cetera, uh, and that, that led me to an interesting thought. Uh, as an umpire referee and, and and if it comes into the marketplace well, I, I, they go to great lengths to vet umpires and, and referees and whatnot because obviously who would be at the you know the, who would have the most control over a game uh if it is a pursu- a, a pursuant to betting or gambling than an umpire tell me about that what do they impress upon you what classes do you take what, what do they do?
1: Well, uh, first of all, when I was being considered by the American League back in 1984, uh, in the off-seasons, I bartended out at a, uh, I won't name the place, but it was a private country club in the Twin Cities area, and we had probably four or five very, very active uh, uh, bookmakers in that that, uh, facility, Mm -hmm. and uh, there was many times where people would come in and hand me an envelope and say, give this to so-and-so when he gets here. Now I pretty much knew what it was, but I was just an envelope as far as I was concerned. Yeah. And, and I would do what I was asked to do. And then, uh, when they ran the background check on me, they specifically, you know, asked about my employment and what I knew, and uh, what about this guy, that guy, and the other guy? And I said, well, as far as I know, they're they're members of the club, and and have you ever seen any? And I said, nope, I've seen guys get on the phone, but as far as what their activities were, I did not know. And and even though I did know, I just said mm-hmm. I'm not aware. And uh, that was part of the uh, and that was an FBI investigation uh, before you get hired. After that, once you're on the staff, we had uh, uh, every year on our annual meeting, we would have a speaker come in, and and one of them was a guy who I can't remember his name, but a lot of people will remember his name. He was a former uh, associate of Gotti and and uh, Sammy the Bull and all okay. those guys, yeah. and he he ended up turning state's evidence. And uh, Mike something or other, uh, and uh, uh, he told us the whole story about how bookies and and gambling people would approach umpires and be very, very coy, and you have no idea what, you know, they would ask you, say, hey, how was the game last night? How was Clements throwing? You know, Mm -hmm. they would ask you these little subtle questions, but they were looking for information. Yep and and we didn't know any better you know we were we, we just assumed the guy's a baseball fan and he, sure. know, he's a Red Sox fan or he's a Yankee fan or whatever and uh, but eventually uh we we were very well versed in you know what to look for and then we had uh, the the uh, uh department of the security department of major league baseball grew uh, exponentially when i was there uh we had former fbi uh and a new york uh uh former police chief of New York that were the head of the security for major league baseball that oversaw any possible activity along those lines. And uh, we were pretty well versed. And today it's pretty well, it's non-existent. I mean, there was the Donahue thing in the NBA. He was a, you know, he was a, he was a degenerate gambler. And and, uh, fortunately they, they found him before he was able to really cause any harm as far as anybody knows, to any you know say postseason games or or what have you, uh, nobody really knows if all he did was feather his own nest on particular uh, gambling issues, or if he actually had huge input or you know uh, on a particular game or a particular situation. But uh, it's pretty well it's pretty well under control now as far as that goes. And then of course now that people can bet online and they can you know there's states that already allow betting and here I'm I'm watching the uh uh the uh, Tampa Bay uh Florida hockey game right now and between periods you know they run an advertisement that uh, you can bet uh, who's going to score the next goal yeah oh I'm yeah we
0: we've moved to that we moved to that piece of it yeah. now yeah yeah, so at some Holy point in time, God. players will have to accept that pressure. So, do they ever hold umpires or referees accountable? Do they ever say, we want you to watch if you'd see anything that would be suspicious, meaning players are trying to throw a game? Do, do, they, do they ask you to be on guard for that, or is that not your responsibility?
1: Not specifically. Uh, that, that more falls into the hands of the security department itself. If, however, uh, you're an umpire and you you hear a conversation between uh, uh, players from opposing teams or something along those lines, uh, you would be wise to, you know, uh, inform the the commissioner's office as soon as possible. Uh, but it's not it's not part of the job description. Uh, it's not necessarily your responsibility, although common sense would dictate to you that if you if you had the slightest inclination to think that something was haywire, that you would uh, inform uh, the necessary people.
0: All right. Tim, can you stay on with us for a quick break? Because there's something else I want to talk to you about uh, on the Cretan side of yeah, things. Absolutely. Okay. No problem. Sure. Tim, Tim Cheetah, umpire extraordinaire, is our guest. Uh, when we come back, uh, one of the great baseball men of all time in this state is struggling a little bit right now. We'll explain when we come back. Welcome back. Tim Cheeter, our guest, umpire extraordinaire. Before we talk about uh, uh, another topic going on over in St. Paul, T- Tim, when, when you see uh, batting averages this low uh, in American League, in particular nationally too, uh, it, 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 is it um, obviously the, you know, more guys are swinging for home runs. We all know that and all the swing for the fences. Uh, but but is there something else that could be done to change that from a rule standpoint, that you think would help the game, or or maybe this is right where the game wants to be.
1: Well, I can't see how they want to be right here. To be honest with you, it, it's a it's a product that is uh, becoming uh, a little bit difficult to watch. Giving the to me the lack of the lack of consistency or the lack of action, and I, I am a firm believer, and I'm very hopeful that they find some way to uh restrict the shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that that's a huge huge factor, you know, uh if you're if you're trying to get kids and more people wanting to come to the games and watching the games, it has to have more. It, it it's just it's just this strikeouts and flyouts are just not fun to watch and and uh uh you know, you you're, you're always better off to be able to see uh you know, if they're not playing in the shift, you can still see a lot of great defense. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and that's exciting. Yeah. That in itself is exciting. It doesn't have to be a high-scoring game, but it's when when what normally used to be a, a routine base hit is now a routine out.
0: Yes, it is. It's a not, routine out because, because the second yeah, base yeah. was playing so far over and the shortstop's behind second yeah. base, and they hit the ball and you go, yeah. whoa, and then you go, oh, okay, shift's on, you know?
1: Yeah that two hot it's a two hop ground ball and and uh so now it's it's you know placement is so important and you know they all throw so hard that it's not it's uh it's not easy to pull the ball right now um and more hitters just are not adept at hitting the other way so what kind of action do you see it, it, to me i mean it, it's you know, I watch games primarily because I want to see who's umpiring and and watch my buddies, but it it can be a difficult task to stay interested uh, yep. for for very long and and that's not a good thing.
0: Is it these pitchers right now that throw this hard easier to work a game behind the plate with them or harder?
1: Um I would say it's harder because uh they don't necessarily have as good a command. As if, say, they threw in the low 90s or the high 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the key to success in pitching is the ability to locate your fastball where you want it when you want it, and that doesn't really exist in Major League Baseball right now, overall.
0: Because they're just trying to throw it hard.
1: They're just trying to throw it hard. Yeah. And and um, you know, it, speed still doesn't matter. Locate it's location, location, location when it comes to pitching and. And, uh, you know, if you look at the the statistics of a guy like a Greg Maddox and a Tommy Glavin and guys like that, even Johan. You know, Johan Santana would top out once in a while at 94, Mm -hmm. but he averaged about 92, 91 on the fastball, but he could dial that change up down to 78. And the the ability to change speeds is not, you know, uh, universally – Uh, there in major league baseball right now it's all power 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 and you know they get they fall behind in the count a lot um hitters get way too selective on what they want to swing at and uh, um it's it's uh it's not the best product that it can be i don't Mm -hmm. think and and i would hope that they go in in some direction that would uh that would change that. I think the shift thing is a, is a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, even, even giving people credit who were able to come up with the idea and realize that the statistics are there, uh, that show this, but you know, the NBA for years had that illegal defense when they decided to go man to man instead of zone because they wanted more action. Yep. And baseball can you know, the, the to have something as you know uh, describe it as an illegal defense I would like to see that yep uh, I think that's a, i think that's a good starting point um and then uh you know uh, at least at, at least you got something to go with. I don't know how you can you know you can't tell guys to pitch slower or anything yeah. you know yeah. the the, the, don't the throw speed, your curveball the speed yeah. is the the speed is there, you know okay that's fine. That's fine, but uh, I th- I just think I think this this shift thing has really had a huge huge impact on the game over the last five years. I really do.
0: Tim Chied is our guest. Tim, there's one of the one of the greatest baseball people I've ever met in my life uh in In terms of knowing the game you 'd be hard pressed uh, in the state to to meet people that know the game much better than he is Dennis Denning. Uh long time successful coach at creighton Durham hall and then he uh, where he uh also went to school as you did and then at St Thomas, he took him to a national title when they said northern teams couldn 't win national titles in the spring in Division three baseball he won one no big surprise and he 's struggling a little bit right now and has moved to a memory care facility uh and and for people that um yeah i i, I I've never met a man that could simplify baseball the way he could. Give your description of Dennis Denning.
1: Well, for starters, Dennis Denning is, and I've been around, had the privilege to be around world-class athletes uh, pretty much my entire adult life. Uh, But going back to uh, when I played briefly for Dennis and then I actually umpired uh, high school baseball when he was coaching and I was actually still in high school, <laughs> believe it or not. But um, Dennis Denning is the most competitive person I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't believe that, ask people that would play pickup basketball against him or whatever. And I mean, he had razor blades on his elbows and I mean, when, you know, you would go up against Dennis and, and he would just bang the daylights out of whoever he was guarding and, you know, he'd games where you called your own fouls or called fouls against you. And a guy would say, that's a foul. That's not a foul. That's not a foul. You know? And he was just incredible that way. And, um, and it just, it rubbed off on his players. And he, uh, he, he, uh, accepted nothing less than your best efforts at all times. Um, and he was, uh, you know, just, just an incredible, incredible teacher and an, an incredible coach. And, uh, uh, i don't know how much time we have Maxie, but i got i can share a story with you before yeah, we go ahead into, yeah uh well mark wagner who graduated yep. from Cretan Durham hall as well mark is a is a uh, cretin Durham hall graduate and he played uh baseball he's a crew chief in the big leagues now yep. as an umpire and, and and uh mark uh blew his elbow out as an eighth grader uh pitching throwing too many curveballs and then he went to Cretan as a freshman And uh, he decided to go out for track because he couldn't play baseball anymore. And uh, he was springtime, he's practicing on the track and the baseball team's out there. And he's, you know, uh, salivating, wishing he could be out there playing baseball. And and, uh, he finally decides to to go home. And his father, they didn't have a lot of money and they, they they hung up a tarp and a mattress kind of thing in their garage and after school every night mark went home and he taught himself how to throw left-handed and he did that for a year
0: because he'd blown out his right arm right
1: correct correct yeah and uh and dennis got wind of it he'd never met mark he never heard of him or anything else and he right away he said uh he's on my team Hmm. that kid that kid's on my team next year i don't care how good he is. He's on my team. Those are the kind of kids I want. Yep. So Mark ended up, ended up being a, a, a played his junior year as a, as a backup outfielder. And, and he played his senior year. He was a co-captain with uh, a future Heisman Trophy winner, Chris Winkie on sure. a state championship team. And uh, that that's Dennis Denning. Yep. You know, it's, there's a Mark, there's a Mark Wagner story there, but that's a Dennis Denning story as well. That, you know, those are the kids and that's what I want my kids to be like. And, uh, you know, ask anybody that ever played for him, you know, they'll, they'll tell you that he, he was, a, uh, he evaluated your talent very fairly, gave you nothing but good advice. You know, actually encouraged me and Mark both to, to umpire and to stay in baseball. And, uh, and that's just the kind of guy he is. And, and right now, um, between, uh, him and his family that they've got uh, their hands full, he's, he's not doing well, um, and uh, it, it's 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 a really sad thing for everybody that knows yeah. him to to see and to know and to just be in total disbelief. Um, and of course, you know, we all know people, and we're all exposed to uh, memory issues and and all that goes with that. And it's just it's so sad.
0: It's a tough one. Um, yep. And that, it does, and they look the same, one. and it doesn't get better. Yep.
1: Exactly. But you know, it's funny that. You know Paul Weinberg, who played for the Gophers, also played for Dennis. And Paulie would have been taking Dennis to lunch at at Skinner's every Wednesday here in St. Paul. And I would stop down there once in a while. I'd walk in, and Dennis would right away, "Kimmy, come on over." You know. Yep. And but even even though he was struggling, yeah. You know, he would have good days and bad days. And and uh, but it sounds like the bad days are outweighing the good days these days. And that's that's just that's so painful to. To be aware of, and, and uh, uh, fortunately, uh, the, the Cretan Durham Hall community is has set up a, uh, a GoFundMe page, yes. and and it's going quite well because this well, has yeah. this, uh, it's consumed a lot of of Dennis's resources, yeah. Dennis and Nancy both. And uh, so, I, as far as the last I looked, that the the GoFundMe page was going really strong. And hopefully it still will. And if there's anybody out there, I I, I don't have the specifics, but I know you can
0: you can figure a, it out pretty easily in this day and age. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you just all yep. you gotta do You just gotta Google Dennis Denning D E N N I N G, uh, GoFundMe, and I think all the info's there. And on behalf of myself and the rest of the Cdh community, uh, you know anything anything can help.
0: Absolutely, Tim. Thank you so much. I hope to see you over at Mancini soon.
1: Sounds good, Mike. Always a pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you
0: too. One of the, I love having Tim on. I down. He's,
1: he's always good. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.